0: Dungeons and Dragons. Some claim it's a simple, harmless game. Dungeons and Dragons is a real serious problem. It is also the target of a group of concerned parents in the United States who call themselves BAD, B-A-D-D, bothered about Dungeons and Dragons.
1: Dungeons and Dragons emphasizes black and white witchcraft. It creates a world of fear and death.
0: And before he knew it, his mind had become a prisoner
2: of his own imaginary
1: world. This is the teaching of the occult. This is exactly what we were introduced into in Star Wars and E.T. Just because that sentence is symmetrical doesn't make it not nonsense. Hi, welcome to Bomb Squad Movie Night, episode number 112. I am your host and Master of Ceremony, uh, Dungeon Master Tanner Richardcraft, and with me I have... Hi,
3: I'm a level 8 monk that rolled a 1 in Divorce Court, and I've been paying for it ever since.
0: I'm Joseph Vrenic, I'm a level 2 orc or some shit, I don't know, I don't play the game.
2: I'm Rain, I'm back for the first time in a while, I'm a level 4 Khajiit.
1: And uh, joining us on today's episode, we have a a very special guest.
4: Hi, I'm Gabby. Let's say that I am, like, the fifth tiefling I've played in my life, and I'm pink this time.
1: Gabby, Gabby, uh, what do you do? Plug something.
4: (laughs) Um, I am a writer. Currently don't have anything, like, published. But, like, I'm also funny, so, like, follow me on Twitter or something, GabGab323.
1: It's true. Uh, she's a very funny uh, Twitter follow. Today, uh, we're doing the uh, the latest sensation hitting the nation and the best Guardians of the Galaxy movie since Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. But before we get into our thoughts on the movie overall, I kind of want to get everyone's thoughts of what is your history with Dungeons & Dragons? Austin, we're going to start with you.
3: My history with Dungeons & Dragons is about as exciting as a Jehovah's mm-hmm. Witness birthday party. I used to be part of a campaign before COVID, but I never felt like I got the hang of the game enough to contribute it anything, like, too funny or awesome to the campaign. Like, I'll hear stories of somebody rolling an AT-20 and one-shotting a boss that the DM has been building up for, like, months, and I'll just think Gee, this is practically Shakespeare compared to the stuff that I'm bringing to the table. I'm pulling weak shit like naming my character Barack Obama and like wasting battle rolls to protect a chicken. So whatever, I, I don't excel at structured fantasy improv, but I do know a lot about movies. And for today's episode, in addition to the recent reboot, I also watched that fucking abomination that New Line Cinema put out in the year 2000, and, much to my surprise, that campy piece of shit actually helped me gain some insight into Honor Among Thieves. You like that, do you? Good. I can use every ounce of your race. <laughs> More on that in a minute. Back to you, Dungeon Master Tanner.
1: Joe, another person who uh, has told me they've never played before, what say you?
0: I have never played this fucking game before in my life. I've always wanted to, but it was way too fucking nerdy for kids in Iowa, so I knew zero people who even wanted to fucking play it. All I was stuck with was the masterpiece. Austin's been disparaging it. The So Bad It's Good classic, the Dungeons & Dragons movie from New Line Cinema. Uh, That thing is a goddamn masterpiece. I... I will not have you poo-pooing that you'll pay for that boy do you really think you can steal
3: my destiny
0: i've watched that film countless times it has brought me so much joy in my life i i should probably watch it again i've been having a shit month i can acknowledge it's not a good movie but I have so much goddamn fun watching that thing. We might want to do something separate on that at some point, because I, I think it's worth talking about. Back to you, Tanner.
1: <laughs> it's not. Rain, fuck you. How about you? Um.
2: So I guess growing up, you know, like when it comes to video games, like I love RPGs. They're um, probably my favorite, my go to genre. I say that now. I'm sure there's going to be people in the comments being like, oh, I bet he's never played Daggerfall, or I bet he's never played. Uh, Leisure Suit Larry. Yeah. The best RPG ever. <laughs> Basically the Deus Ex before Deus Ex. Yeah, D D never got into it. as a kid, I didn't get into it, I think because I didn't have the friends, and but at the same time, I was like too self-conscious to do anything like that, like upfront nerdy. And then as an adult, and you know it's like cool now kind of, and a lot of my friends do, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. <laughs> Although I might be playing it next week. That is my history. A thing that I is very much for me probably, I'm a big fantasy guy, big RPG guy, but I just have not dove into it yet.
1: Fantastic. Where's the shovel?
4: I've always wanted to try this.
1: All right. All great answers so far. Gabby, please save me. I know you've played the game.
4: I play probably like too much Dungeons and Dragons. This is my bag of dice. Holy shit. Yeah. She is full, baby.
2: For all I know, that's just one really big dice.
4: It, it could be. At this exact like moment in time, I'm currently playing in four different campaigns. Three of them with one group, and one of them with another. And I have finished up three campaigns outside of that. I started playing at the beginning of college, so five years ago, and I was so bad at it. none—and This is a goof none of you will get, but I thought that Mending was a healing spell, and I used it as one. It's not a healing spell. Um, but anyway, I believe that I am here because I know too much about Dungeons & Dragons. And so Tanner was like, hey Gabby, you know too much about Dungeons & Dragons. Please come save all of my friends who know nothing about Dungeons & Dragons.
3: What about you, Tanner?
4: Yeah, Mr. Dungeon Master. Yeah,
2: yeah, Dungeon Master. Have you even been in a dungeon?
1: In um, high school was when I was introduced to uh, Dungeons & Dragons. My sophomore year, I started participating in more extracurricular clubs. I had joined a video game club, I joined our improv club, which is probably why I am such an excellent host because I did improv for like seven years. Nerd. It's funny you say nerd. In sophomore year, one of the clubs I joined was a club called Nerd Club. Not a joke. That's what it was called.
3: You know him because you guys were in a nerd club together.
1: And in Nerd Club, I was introduced to Dungeons & Dragons. The teacher sponsor was the DM. I met a lot of other cool people. A lot of my friends joined the club. It was great. And after my sophomore year, near the end of it, both the president and vice president were graduating, so they needed a new president, uh, and I ran, was elected Nerd Club's president. And for two years, my junior and senior year, was the president of Nerd Club playing Dungeons and Dragons every week with my friends. We had a bitter rivalry with the video game club at some point because they moved their fucking club meeting time to match ours, and a bunch of people left Nerd Club and I fired back by moving ours again. It was a whole thing. Very fun. Very funny.
4: Nerd on nerd crime.
1: Uh, Because I was the president of Nerd Club, I'm pretty sure that in part was why I was eligible for our winter dance court my senior year of high school and why I finished second place in Snowcoming King voting. That's the power of Nerd Club, baby. You finish second to the jocks instead of last. Hell yeah! (laughs) And then when you're paired up with a girl in the court and you have to do the dance, she runs away to her lesbian girlfriend.
3: That's show business, baby.
1: I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons in like five years. My last campaign was my best one, however, when I played a gay Tom Cruise in a post-post-apocalyptic world who fell in love with a reincarnated John F. Kennedy. That happened, it was a great campaign, Tom Cruise became a captain of a spaceship, and then the DM moved to Texas. I think
4: that can be categorized as a hate crime.
1: We're not here to talk about hate crimes. We're not legislators. We're here to talk about Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Uh, The hit movie Sweeping the Nation. I'm sure we all have plenty to say, and we will be saying it, starting with you, Joe. Because you look so eager and excited to talk. The bridge is protected by an ancient trap. We must not trigger the mechanism.
2: the mechanism
0: uh it was fine i had a good time watching it i got a really cool pin because i went to an early screening of it i don't have it on me i just think they're neat I think my biggest issue overall with the whole film, though, is um, it pokes fun at itself a little bit too much for my liking, which don't get me wrong, for something as nerdy and goofy as shit as Dungeons and Dragons, having that like certainly helps, but I think there needed to be more characters in it that took that world deadly seriously. Which is why, like, my favorite character in the film was probably, uh, he wasn't an elf. What was he?
1: He was a paladin, Rajesh Jean page.
0: He plays his role deadly seriously and is like the best character of the whole film. And I wished that there was more of him. I understand why there wasn't more of him because he's just too fucking good. The movie would have been over if he stuck around. But I I I think it just got a little too far into the comedy. And that's probably what you get when you hire comedy directors. But what we got, I can't exactly complain about. The set design's pretty good, even though it is kind of distracting at one point, because I'm pretty sure they filmed at Hogwarts. Uh, the action's fun, the effects are fun, the performances are fun. It's just a fun film.
1: Great stuff, Joe. Uh, Rain, you saw it with me. We're we, we are the ones that saw it before everyone else. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it kind of makes us the true dungeon masters of this whole thing in a way, if you think about it. (laughs) Man, I'm going to be so original right now. Hey, is this Guardians of the Galaxy with uh, fantasy? Oh, yeah, it basically is so I, I if the short version of my review is this is like one of the, like the more solid mcu movies if you like inherently hate the formula of a marvel movie and, like just like can't stand them then you're not going to like this if you like them but just don't like them when they're not great but you like them when they are great uh you'll probably like this which is to say it's like a it's a light breezy action comedy uh with high fantasy flavor as someone who um I don't, in my head i see myself as mr hates quips because of just like how much that style of humor um, is just everywhere these days so it's kind of made me kind of sick of it but um for whatever reason it worked for me here i can't quite put my finger on it it might just be it was just pretty sharp which is surprising because i wasn't really a big fan of the creative team's last movie a date night that movie did not work for me so so close game night both of them not a great time in my opinion three
0: bags of tostito scoops
2: i notice there was a special on these tonight
0: three for one three for one Yep. How can that be profitable for Frito-Lay?
2: But this is a good time. I guess another thing is I'm very much predisposed to liking every single heist movie ever. It's almost impossible for me to dislike a heist movie. I don't know if there is a heist movie I've seen that I dislike. And same to a lesser degree with fantasy, like to a much lesser degree. I'm a big fantasy boy. So, those two things together in a movie, I'm kind of pre-programmed to like it already. In fact, so much, I actually was quite upset at this movie existing, because I came up with, like, an idea for, like, a high fantasy ice movie, like, in college, and I was like, oh, I should do that someday, and then I haven't done it, and because I didn't do it, someone did it before me, and now I'm angry at them, like, it's their fault that they put work in that I didn't put work into. Good movie, back to you, Dungeon Master.
1: Great stuff, Rain. Um, for the record, there will be no shitting on game night in this house. Mm-hmm. I mean, you shitting on game night, how, how can that be profitable for Frito-Lay? Gabby! <laughs> what did you think of the movie?
4: Um, I loved it so much. I was laughing the whole time and I really thought that it did a good job of having really good little Easter eggs for, you know, the people who do know a little too much about D&D while also it wasn't like tongue in cheek the whole time. Like, they broke rules where he needed to break them, and they had a lot of stuff that wasn't innately like DD that they were just able to do fun things with.
0: The higher the intelligence of the
3: prey, the more likely they are to strike.
4: Oh. So I think that they like walked the line really well so that it was reachable, but like also the big DD fans had a grand time. And I just really loved it. My only complaint is that it wasn't gay enough, and in that I mean there wa- it wasn't gay at all whenever D&D is incredibly gay. It is. As a general rule, um, I have a deep and unabiding love for Chris Pine since I was about 10 years old. And also, I really like Regina and Paige because Bridgerton And I really love Justice Smith because of Detective Pikachu. So like the cast was in my favor. Oh, I do have a secondary complaint is that, and I get why they did it, but Doric the Tiefling played by Sophia Lillis. It was big lame that she was just a white girl. Tiefling can be a Crayola box of colors, baby. I have played a red one, a purple one, and a blue one. And it's great.
3: It was a budget thing. They, they did some yeah. tests to see if they could make her a certain color, but it was too expensive.
1: I know what you're saying here, Gabby, but for some reason you're saying, I've been a red one, I've been a blue one. It's just reminiscent of people being like, I don't care if you're red, green, black, white! You it! Even though you're making oh, the opposite no. point.
3: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> if only they had that Guardian's budget and could make somebody a
1: color.
4: Maybe if we get another one
1: Finally, color.
4: But yeah, I loved it. Back to you, Senor Dungeon master.
3: God
1: damn it, you were so close. Austin, Go.
3: Before I crack this baby right open, as the clerics like to say, God I, I damn it, startling news. So, Honor Among Thieves has been in development since, like, 2013, a year known to the elves as the Golden Age of Macklemore. And after some phone calls and several Nat 20s on persuasion checks, I discovered that every episode of the Netflix show Stranger Things was actually viral marketing for this movie. This goes all the way to the top. We've been unwittingly getting geared up for this movie for seven years. This makes that creepy lady smiling at the baseball game look like child's play.
1: The details of the conspiracy, now a matter of public record, were at that time impossible for us to apprehend.
3: Aside from that mind-boggling conspiracy that's not 200% made up, I think the things that made this movie a success story are actually kind of simple to explain. So I'd say the strategy chart weighs out to be like 45% playing the hits, 45% learning from past mistakes, and of course, 10% luck, 20% skill, 15% concentrated power, well, So they're playing the hits, right? They're blaring butt rock at a summer barbecue, making safe bets like casting Chris Pine to be a leading man in your risky reboot of a nerdy franchise that isn't exactly box office candy anymore. This was famously done by J.J. Abrams when he turned Star Trek into Star Wars back in 2009 and made almost $400 million for his trouble. Then, Michelle Rodriguez, who has had supporting roles in so many beloved action movies that her worldwide aggregate box office gross is $5.5 billion dollars, You get the Amy Adams clone that they used in the IT movies. The main guy from Detective Pikachu, fucking Hugh Grant. At this point, we're figuratively, like, blaring Stairway to Heaven while driving 90 in a 30. Then, learning from past mistakes. Two things come to mind. The original Dungeons & Dragons film, and of all things, the MCU, which the two directors have contributed to back in 2017 when they wrote the story for Spider-Man Homecoming. The MCU lesson comes in two parts. One, they made a movie that stands on its own even if the reboot doesn't spawn a franchise. And two, they don't make smarmy, shitty meta jokes about how unrealistic or nerdy the material is. This isn't Love & Thunder, this isn't Quantumania, shop for irony elsewhere and then the old Jeremy Irons movie. The lessons learned from that could fill up a fucking school bus. It's almost like the old movie is like an upside-down roadmap. All these guys had to do with succeed was do the exact opposite of what the old movie did. Like, for example, one, in the old movie, protagonist hero guy is constantly, like, sent off on solo missions for no reason.
4: Only you were meant to pass. Wow. This task they must complete alone. Wow.
3: And in this movie, they keep everybody together as much as possible. Two, in the old movie, they nerf every character except for Hero Guy to an insane degree. Like the main woman in the party goes from apprentice mage in the beginning to literally crawling around on the floor helpless. Meanwhile, in this movie, the women kick a consistent level of ass and never randomly lose their ability to do combat. Cannot stress this enough, number three, and this sounds crazy to anyone who hasn't seen the movie. This movie, the new one, does not have a black person who's directed to act like they're in a fucking minstrel show. All the black characters in this are very cool and normal. Four. In this movie, when they kill off a member of the main party and bring them back at the end, they actually show us the character coming back. Unlike the old movie where they say they're reviving Marlon Wayne's, but then everybody turns into Tinkered Bell, Fairy Dust, in the credits roll. Those are the biggest ones. You can hear my entire list of changes if you follow the link to the video below. As for that last 10% of the pie chart in earnest this time, I'd say it's the film's ability to capture the logic and the chaos of an actual D&D campaign while exploring the rich world that Gary Gygax has been building for players since 1970. 19- 74. So yes, uh, to end my turn, I'll say Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is, is a rare fantasy movie that's like not trying to be a spoof or a Lord of the Rings ripoff. It's very comfortable being a fun blockbuster packed with sincere in-universe jokes telling a story about a band of outcasts who all have their own special strengths working together to save the day. I I actually do hope this becomes a franchise and that that franchise fares better than the Star Trek movies did on their second outing. I, I didn't know how badly Hollywood needed to make a film like this until now. And I'm glad it's here because I had a blast. Back to you, Tanner.
1: Ah, yes, thank you. All right, my time to shine. Hello. Um, I fucking love this movie. I have seen, uh, let me see, 43, 44, 45 movies so far this year, somewhere in that ballpark. And this, I would say, is my third favorite of the year so far behind Only Knock at the Cabin and Air for a variety of reasons. One, I think it's the best blockbuster we've got in this year. And yes, I say that after having seen John Wick Chapter 4, I maintain my stance of blockbuster. Blockbuster, action movie, different distinctions. Yeah. And for me, what works about this is like what Austin was saying, how it feels like an MCU movie except, you know, not a bunch of meta-ironic textual comments that is making fun of the uh, text that it comes from and wouldn't exist without. But more than just that, Moments of emotional sincerity are given time to breathe. There's a moment here after a absolutely hilarious and out of fucking nowhere Bradley Cooper cameo that Rain missed because he walked out of the theater to do important things, uh, mostly uh, beat up old women. After that Bradley Cooper moment, where it's a really genuine emotional moment, the only laugh is like, "Oh look, Bradley Cooper's tiny," but they don't play that up a bunch. And it's just a nice, sincere emotional moment of closure between two people that you know used to be together and loved each. Other and then afterwards, Chris Pine the bard starts singing. And in a fucking Marvel movie, this would be like, Ah, shut up if you're singing already. In this one, Michelle Rodriguez joins him. Yeah, It's it's sincere. I I really buy them as a group. I buy them as friends. All the little character arcs are great. I like uh, Justice Smith's character and how he becomes a wizard worth a damn. I like uh, Chris Pine finally learning to let go of his wife. I like Michelle Rodriguez dying and then coming back to life in at least the second franchise I've seen her do that in.
3: She does that a lot.
1: This movie in Fast and the Furious, same movie (laughs) if you think about it. Amelia. (laughs) so many other things I love I love Roger Jean Page I know I'm butchering his name I love his character the paladin as the total the DM invented this character so he can show you his really cool bridge puzzle that one (laughs) of the players immediately fucks up classic I love the fat chihuahua dragon that's really great I love how this movie does the impossible. Make me want to punch Hugh Grant in the face because he's a smug bastard. I usually find Hugh Grant to be charming and heartwarming and call me Hugh, my phone is. Th- this information has been redacted by the editor. Please, I'm free on Tuesdays. But in this movie, I actually wanted to punch him in the face because he plays a perfect fucking douchebag. And the action stuff I thought was really good. In this movie, I knew going into it the comedy would be pretty top-notch, coming from the creators of Game Night, one of the best comedies of the last 10 years, so I was expecting lots of laughs. What I wasn't expecting was just the really great action set pieces. That was really nice, and it really added to what I thought was an overall fantastic uh, picture, and that ending moment near the end where, like, Chris Pine does let go of his wife and brings Michelle Rodriguez back to life. I really loved it. It even earned the fucking stupid montage of why the characters are doing this thing. It, it earned it, because it was just played with absolute sincerity. It's a great movie. You should check it out so it can become a franchise, and we'll have more to say about this great movie after this brief commercial break. Be I have
0: spells. I'm going to fly. You don't have enough points. I am the maze controller and I have absolute authority in this game. Game? Game. Game? Game. Game? JJ, what am I doing here?
2: Game. Hey guys, have you ever wanted to watch a movie? while but have all the movie be compressed into really thin strips of color, and then have that as a still photo that you can have hung up in your room? Well, if so, then uh, moviepalette.com. Yep, that's the ad.
1: I guess Rain did the movie palette read now. Yeah, moviepalette.com. Enter code squad fifteen at checkout for fifteen percent off your order, and you can get a movie palette like the one behind me. Back to the show. General discussion. I have something I need to discuss with you guys. I'm pregnant. No. So, um, I'm actually Gregnart. Um, <laughs> Uh when I was watching the movie of Rain, I made him stick through the very end of the credits because I thought this movie was going to have an after credit scene that would have been such a fucking gimme and I was surprised it didn't have it. I like the one we had, but I thought after the credits and maybe you guys would think I'm wrong, I think Rain agreed with me. I thought it would have been a perfect after credit scene with after the credits, it's all the actors in plain clothes in some basement sitting around a table actually playing D&D. Am I crazy here?
4: It definitely no. would have been very funny and I was also slightly expecting it. However, consider no bitch makes a DD and d character that looks like themselves.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh one one funny note is that I think one of the screenwriters for this movie was the director of the Lego movie. A movie where something sort of similar happened.
1: Gabby, on that note, you're right, nobody makes their characters look like themselves. So if it was just a completely random, unrelated group of actors that <laughs> playing been the characters. Like, funny. like like but slightly similar. Like Chris Evans was playing the Chris Pine character.
4: That would have been so funny.
1: Or uh, Amy Adams was doing the Sophia Lillis character. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like, something like that.
4: They have the guy who plays Anthony Bridgerton from Bridgerton Play (laughs) the
2: fountain. They could also just pull a uh, Spy Kids 3 and have all the people look like lamer versions of the actors.
1: They could have also pulled a Spy Kids 3 and just had an entire scene where three different versions of Sliced Alone talk amongst each other. Do you think God stays in heaven because he too lives in fear of what he's created?
3: My audience had a really good time with this. What's everybody's favorite joke in the movie? Or favorite just, you know, funny part?
1: My favorite joke was at some point in the movie, I think Sophia Lillis' character said something like, and then who among us? And then I went to lean over to Rain to go, among no. us? No. And then the random like 17 year old girl, two seats to the right of Rain beat me to it. God. like outlaw just went, among us? And I went, oh, god damn it. I'm a teenage girl. My favorite joke,
2: without a doubt, was uh, when he, when they flew off like for their whole escape plane, and then the guy's like, We
4: approved your pardon! I had two, and one is just the name Jonathan, because I'm fucking obsessed with Jonathan. And Jonathan is absolutely an homage to the thing that always happens whenever you were a dungeon mastering, which I have done. And that's whenever somebody asks you, you're talking to a character, and they're like, Oh, well, what's your name? And then you have to pull a name out out of your rectum. Like, one time I named a nobleman Jeff Plaid because my basic name that I come up with always is Jeff and my friend was wearing a plaid shirt and then they murdered Jeff Plaid.
3: It's the P-tier Griffin gag. That's fucking awesome.
4: And then my other favorite joke was the, <laughs> whenever they were talking to the corpses in the field, they were doing speak with dead. And then the first one, like I kind of wish they hadn't made the first one, like a TikTok ad. So I'd seen it like seven times. But the thing of it is whenever you're playing and you use that spell, which I have used a lot cause I play a lot of clerics and clerics are what get it normally. Anyway, you always lose track of how many questions you have and you inevitably run out of questions or you ask them an inane question to use up the rest of the questions. That was one of the moments in this thing that was like, oh, these writers have played a lot of D&D.
3: Since their days of being on Freaks and Geeks, they've been playing a lot of D&D. So funny. Fat Boy Dragon and um, the OP Paladin walking over the rock (laughs) <laughs> they fucking—they're like, is he gonna go left? He's gonna go right. And this motherfucker walks right over it. Apparently, that was improv. <laughs> it was the narration.
4: What? It was Chris Pine narrating it that sent me.
1: This movie, I think, uh, solidifies Chris as the uh, Chris Pine is the best Hollywood Chris.
4: Fake fan. Chris Pine has had my heart since Princess Diaries too.
2: To get back to
1: my love of heist,
2: like there's still a good movie in here, even if you, even if it wasn't like a comedy, it's a fun heist. Like they're they're playing like with the mirrors and having to like yeah use the portal gun. That spirit of like outwitting the opponents of like you know using just physical force, uh, that spirit that like comes kind of with the heist genre. They even continue that with the defeating the evil witch, which I think was really fun. How like the bit where like the money's coming out of the guy's mouth from the big parachute them saving the town by just like using their greed and then just handcuffing the lady when she like that's really clever it's really fun
1: i think the thing that made you laugh the hardest throughout the entire screening reign was not the but we already approved your pardon it's when they used the portal gun and i leaned over to you and said now you're thinking with portals (laughs) because
2: it's like oh they literally are it literally is just a portal gun this
3: is it this is the best we get it's like how akira fans only have chronicle (laughs) like this is the portal movie now I've never heard <laughs> consistent terminology for this, but you folks know when, like, a movie starts, like, sending a camera through fucking doors and windows using, like, CGI? Like, like David Fincher made this kind of thing really popular mm-hmm. with stuff like Fight Club, and he's one of the best in the business with, like, doing it in a way that doesn't look stupid. But, like, this movie had a lot of impossible CGI-heavy shots at fucking rule, like when Doric is escaping from the castle and shape-shifting the whole time. Oh,
4: that was so good.
3: That kind of stuff usually looks bad, but this movie nailed the CGI in a lot of places. Even while using a lot of it.
4: And unrelated to CGI, but that bit with her uh, wild shaping into all the animals... Oh, the
0: Warner! Yes!
4: That's one of the things that they did that they fully changed, like, what is possible in D&D. Because unless you're a very max level arch you're unable to wild shape more than twice a day. And so like, she wouldn't have been able to turn into the fly and the mouse and that's it. But it is so much better that they made that whole sequence because it was so much more exciting to watch. It was so funny. And then we got the lead in to uh, Michelle Rodriguez's deer joke, which was such a dumb joke, but I loved it.
1: Everything was worth it for that deer joke.
4: It was such a good choice. Oh, and then the, with with you mentioning CGI, they also, like, did so many cool practical effects. Jonathan was a practical effect!
1: Did you see that uh, BTS thing on Twitter where, uh, in order to get that crazy cool shot of her breaking into the the wagon that had all the art, yes. they made a set that would fucking move like so, you know, pivot the camera, and then they would pivot the walls around the set. Was it so was odd. so cool!
3: They did that practically. Holy fuck!
1: Wow. And
4: I just love that they had they had Jonathan the Arakocra be practical. All the Dragonborn there, like the Dragon people, were practical. The Tabaxi, which was like the cat slash furry, that was all practical. And like, oh, it was just so freaking neat.
3: I, I bet the directors are really happy they left the Flash to direct this. They they, they entered the good timeline. Well, considering
1: <laughs> how much of a shit show The Flash oh, yeah. became, uh, <laughs> right. yeah. unfortunately looks good. God damn it. I wish uh-huh. that movie looked bad.
4: Ezra Miller, you're a shit stain. Why does this look fun?
1: You know, I've waited my whole life for a Flash movie, and when I finally get a Flash movie, they make it a fucking Batman movie, and it looks good! Sorry, this is unrelated. <laughs> yeah! I'm not mad. I'm not mad.
2: The action is like really good, like surprisingly like really good choreography. There's this
3: one shot where they're all trying to kill the big bad lady, and they're all using magic on her at once. And I feel like I've been waiting years for a shot like that, from all these superhero movies. And the D&D movie did it first. Whoever's making the Fantastic Four movie, do that shot in your fucking movie or you, you lose.
1: The director of WandaVision is directing the Fantastic Four movie.
4: I have so many thoughts about, like, the spells in this movie because, again, I'm a dweeb and I mostly play casters in D&D. So, like, pretty much all of the spells that they used throughout the thing, I was able to identify like, okay, you know the bit, whenever they had uh, Evil Witch Lady Hand and then Simon the Sorcerer Hand? Yeah. Those were two different spells. She was casting one called Bigby's Hand, which is a higher level spell, and then he was casting one called Maximilian's Earthen Grasp. Some spell names are fucking stupid. Um-
1: Maximilian's Earth and Grasp is like <laughs> a fucking movie from the 80s about a guy that cons his way into being the top agent of A stock firm. Hell yeah!
4: And then also, this is so niche that I thought was really cool is that like they established in the beginning like backstory dump, which also loved that there was a backstory dump, that Simon had been unable to like counterspell her Time Stop, which was you know the spell that stopped time, but then he was later. What I think is cool about that is that Time Stop is a ninth level spell, so which is the highest level spells can be. So this freaking wizard was busted. She was a strong ass wizard, which was established. But fun fact, you can counter any spell. You just have to get lucky. But, like, whenever you try to counter a spell that's higher than you are able to cast, you have to roll a die and add the number that, like, you use to cast your spells. The reason why this is important is that throughout the movie, Simon's, like, charisma and confidence in himself grows. So through that, his modifier to add to that spell grew. So he had a higher chance of being able to counter it, and so he was able to counter it.
1: All right. Yeah. Trivia Corner. A uh, Dungeon Master Tanner. Trivia Corner. Bum, 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 bum. Oh, yeah. Uh, Everyone talked about the Bradley Cooper cameo in this movie, which was a pretty cool cameo, but there was apparently another cameo in this movie that a lot of people missed. Rage Against the Machine guitarist and frontman Tom Morello apparently has a cameo during the arena sequence. I don't know where he is in there, but apparently he's in there. Hugh Grant uh, was apparently nervous about being in this movie and the reception of the movie, and his hopes of winning is over because of... This is a direct quote from him from the press tour, I have to say, because it's so funny. I'm scared stiff of the gamers. Because They're very territorial about the game they love. So they may want to hate it, but they're not allowed to. Uh, fun fact, Chris Pratt also said this word for word during the Mario press tour.
4: Yeah, but he said it less cool because he doesn't have Hugh Grant's old man, sexy little British accent.
1: Uh, ch 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 the fourth Dungeons and Dragons film. What the fuck were the other two?
4: Yeah. Oh, I think they had, like, two shit sequels. I
0: was gonna say, the 2000 film had a direct-to-video sequel. Two direct-to-video sequels, right? They had
3: two of them? Yeah, there was one in, like, 05 and 2012 or 2011. They sucked. Huh.
4: I should watch them.
3: Believe it or not, the Bradley Cooper scene was filmed after everything else. They had the whole movie in a can, and they showed Bradley Cooper a cut of the movie, and he was like, oh, can I be in this? So that was actually, I guess, the last thing put in the movie.
1: Apparently, uh, Chris McKay was in talks to direct it. Uh, Chris McKay, you probably know him as the director of the Lego Batman movie, the editor of the Lego movie, and uh, most recently the director of The Tomorrow World, and this weekend the director of Renfield. He left this movie to do The Tomorrow World. Uh, He left this movie to work with the wrong Chris on a shitty movie. All-time bag fumble.
0: Wasn't Joe Manganiello attached at one point?
1: Yeah. Joe Manganiello wrote a script for a Dungeons & Dragons movie. It is unknown if it was related to this project at all.
4: He <laughs> loves d and I want to steal his house exclusively yeah. so I can have his D&D basement. He has like a dragon's head on the wall. It's a freaking dream. Hell
1: yeah. Um, apparently before this movie was moved over to Paramount Pictures, David Letterman was set to... Dr- I'm sorry. Rob Letterman was set to... Dr- <laughs> <laughs> David Letterman was about to make a radical career change. Rob Letterman was set to direct it and Ansel Elgort was uh, cast as the lead of the movie. Terrible choice. Even the movies Ansel Elgort are good in, he often feels good in like in spite of himself. <laughs> Ethan's going to love this. The characters from the Dungeons and Dragons animated series from the 80s apparently appear in the maze sequence
0: in the cage. Yep.
4: Yeah, it's super obvious. It's just the ones who look like absolute dorks.
1: This film continues Michelle Rodriguez's inexplicable streak of dying on screen only to be resurrected. It's happened in four different franchises. It doesn't specify what the other two are. This is why Michelle Rodriguez declined to come back for Way of the Water.
2: Jesus. (laughs) I'm dead. She's like, I can't keep doing it.
1: I can't keep dying. They can't keep getting away with it.
4: They should have Michelle Rodriguez and um, Sean Bean be in a movie, um, but neither of them die.
1: I agree. All right. Uh, Let's move on to final thoughts, everyone. Austin, we'll start with you.
3: Clearly, this is the work of Satan, influencing today's children to roll dice and pretend they're monsters. And as always, Satan is great at making art.
1: Amen. Damn straight. Rain, how about you?
2: I'm pretty dang good at everything you would want from a big, you know, blockbuster crowd pleaser i was not disappointed this uh was well dungeon mastered
1: this is your uh, favorite movie of the year and also least favorite movie of the year is that right it's the only movie of the year
2: i've seen i think technically joe what are your final thoughts on the movie 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 good
0: i didn't have much to say obviously i was pretty quiet throughout this but uh to quote billy bob thornton and bad santa well they can't all be winners can they Sometimes movies are just candy corn in an advent calendar, so yeah. Gabby, your final thoughts?
4: I have a deep desire for there to be approximately 17 more um, movies.
1: Period. Just, just movies. Yeah, Once just, we have 17 movies. more movies, we can stop.
4: That's it. That's it. You know, it's just 17 more movies. <laughs> um, but no, I do have a deep desire for there to be just approximately a million more Dungeons and Dragons movies. Again, I'm definitely entirely unbiased. And I also dearly, deeply look forward to one of my DMs just putting all of these characters into his game as NPCs, because I know he will do that. Mostly so I can flirt with Chris Pine.
1: The Dungeons & Dragons movie is an excellent film. It's an excellent blockbuster full of pretty good emotional moments, excellent comedy, and uh, action sequences that make you go, Yeah! The casting is great. It's like the best ensemble cast of the year, honestly. Everyone in it is hot. Uh, Chris Pine is dreamy. But you know who else is dreamy? Who? <laughs> The person watching slash listening to this episode of Bomb Squad Movie Night. Why did I go back to the fucking Benoit Blanc voice? (laughs) Listening on any of the audio platforms we're on. Thank you oh so very much for listening. We really appreciate it. Go ahead and leave us a review. It helps boost us in the algorithm or something. I I don't actually know what it does, but if you uh, leave one, I'll find it and I'll read it and it'll boost my ego. And if you are watching this on Spotify video, we hope you enjoyed this uncensored edition of Bomb Squad Movie Night.
4: We can say fuck.
1: If you're watching it over there, how about you mosey on down over to our Patreon and uh, give us money and shit. I swear to God, we're gonna have like actual credible rewards. I have a plan, I'm already working on stuff. And if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you oh so very much for watching. How about you go on down to the comment section below and let me know, Are you do you play Dungeons and Dragons? What did you think of the movie? Uh, do you think the movie was a fun adaptation of Dungeons and Dragons? Did you like it even if you haven't played? And uh, should Bomb Squad Productions uh, start a show where we played uh, Dungeons and Dragons? A uh, comment below and let me know. The first person that gives me an answer, we're committing to what you say. <laughs> oh no! That means you, Death Machine Star. And uh, while you're down there, go ahead and hit the like button so we know how much you like us. Hit the subscribe button so we know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon so you know exactly when we upload new videos. Tune in next week when we do the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, woohoo! Let's go. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. I
4: have spells. So, are the Mets also New York? Like, there's Mets. Yeah, New York is yeah. Mets.
2: Yeah, it's weird how some cities. <laughs> I'm not a sports person, but. Oh. <laughs> Oh, man. I wish I could hear him.
3: Yeah, me too.